and thank you for joining us on another episode of Why Theory. As always, I am your host, Ryan Engley, joined as always by co-host Todd McGowan. Todd, how you doing, buddy? Good, Ryan. Great talking to you today. Great talking to you today. And we are going to talk, we're going to have a discourse, me and you. That's right. <laughs> on um, So this uh, is something we've talked about, actually, it's come up a lot in recent uh, podcasts, and also um, we just uh, guested together, which we don't normally do, on uh, a podcast, on Cooper Cherry's uh, podcast, Machinic Unconscious, that he does with uh, Taylor Atkins. And uh, this was something that came up there. It's come up in different things. So we were talking about Lacan's four discourses. And to be clear, we're not talking about all of seminar uh, 17. We're trying to do the seminars in sequential order. And uh, it's probably going to take us, like, well, I don't know, what, five years to to get to seminar 17, maybe right. even longer than that. Longer, um, yeah. Yeah, but the four discourses has been a multiple time request uh, in the length of time that we've been doing the podcast. Uh, so we wanted to talk just about the four discourses aspect of seminar 17. You may say, well, what else is there left to talk about? Um, and uh, I will say stick around for 10 years and uh, we'll talk more about uh, how this is the most and least Hegelian uh, seminar that uh, Lacan has. So at the same be, time, right. At that the same true. time, e- right. exactly, yeah. So that's so that's a little, uh, we'll, we will a little circle tease back for, to that. for we'll, 10 years down the road. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, um, but the discourses. So where we want to start with here, we're going to try to um, have a bit of a, um, uh, a, a split subject uh, a podcast uh, in- engagement with this. We're, we're going to explain this uh, for the seminar itself. And then in the second half of the podcast, we're going to, we have some critique of what Lacan does here. And, uh, some things don't necessarily line up with stuff that he's long established, uh, in, in, in other seminars. And, uh, so that is as always our sort of like dialectical engagement with it, but we do want to make sure that, um, we're going to explain Lacan for himself to start so that if this is the first time anybody is ever like hearing this or they're reading this for the first time and they're trying to make sense of it, that we at least have like some sort of baseline understanding out there. So uh, we wanna, we're going to start um, with something that is implicit in some of the things that he writes early, which is why is he even doing this? So I'm going to put right. that question to you, Todd. Why is he even doing this? Right. I think it's a, that to me is a real, that's the serious question that the seminar raises because he kind of already has a structure of signification, right, in his thought. Mm-hmm. He doesn't ever lay it out explicitly, but he has it, you know, you could say, well, it's certainly there. He's got the idea of the quilting point in Seminar 3. He's got Das Ding in Seminar 7. He's got Abje A in Seminar 10 and onward. And so, you know, he mm-hmm. could develop a theory out of, he has a theory there. But he, I think he wants, I think there are two things that are going on. So first of all, I think he's very sensitive to the, events that are happening in Paris and around the world in the late 1960s, the student movement for sure, and and just the the general political uprising, and he wants <laughs> to respond to that. And I think he also wants to try to answer this question that Freud has of what, where does psychoanalysis fit? Because I think for Freud, ideally, psychoanalysis would be a science. And I think <laughs> Lacan does not think it can be a science, but he doesn't want to just have this cop-out answer and say, well, psychoanalysis is an art and it's just, mm. you know, it's just its own thing. He wants to really give it a significant, a serious position. So I think those are the things that are at work. And so what he's doing in this, in this conception of the master's discourse, I think he's, which is 
we both agree, I think, that that's the foundation from which he builds outward to the four discourses, or five. We'll talk about that yeah, later. Yeah. Are there four yeah. or five? And and I think what he's, he, he starts with that, and he wants to understand this historical shift that takes place in modernity, in philosophy. Even, it's interesting, because he's not an idealist. He, he thinks of himself as a materialist, but he gives philosophy a lot of credit for the mm. change in in discourses, I think. For, so for what happens within capitalism, he sees philosophy playing a pretty important role in that shift, I think. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, he, he even, um, he has that section where he's uh, talking about uh, Marx and 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 Locke, right? And and, and all the, the, the English uh, empiricists and the, uh, the, the, the philosophy that, that, that undergirds uh, capitalism that then like, you know, Marx, um, uncovers. It's a, it's a bummer that, um, uh, seminar 16 does not exist in, um, in English translation, but it will, it's coming very, it's coming, I think. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Because he talks about, uh, surplus jouissance at this, like, I think you and I both think like this really great reading of Marx as understanding the, um, like the, the value of, uh, of the commodity and just the capitalist exchange is a uh, surplus enjoyment and not, you know, rather than surplus value. Like right. This so that, this Marx idea of merverd or surplus value, Lacan in seminar 16 replaces <laughs> with surplus enjoyment or surplus jouissance and, or plus de jouir is in, in, in French. And so I think that that, that, so he's kind of, he, I think he thinks he's building on that here yeah, and developing yeah. a historical theory to rival, in some sense, Marxism and to say, so first we had the master's discourse and now we have this development of another form of discourse, university discourse and hysterical discourse. And then we can see how the analyst discourse responds to the emergence of those two alternatives to the master's discourse. So I think that's, there's this, I think there's this larger, and then maybe capitalist discourse fits in there at some point, whether you credit that as a genuine discourse or not. And and so I think that's what, that's what's driving, that's the engine behind this, is this, how can we theorize this movement that takes place in modernity, specifically capitalist modernity? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think the, this, comes up a, a number of different times. He's also a little, it seems to me, a little sensitive to the critique that what psychoanalysis finds is what it sets out to find. And uh, he, which he even uh, references at, at one point in one of the early lectures, I think. Um, so so and, is your point, your point is that he's, he's trying to show the world relevance of psycho, that it can actually yeah. look at the world and data in the world and make some claims. Yes, absolutely. It's not just, it's not a, just a tautological thing is like Derrida has this, has a, um, uh, this critique of, uh, his theory of his being Lacan in this sense. Derrida has a critique of Lacan's theory of seriality where, um, in the, it's collected in the Perloin Poe. Uh, there's no direct response from Lacan, but one can imagine that's a little bit in here. Um, b- uh, but also, I mean, this is a little bit my take like for later. Like I, I think some of what he lays out in the four discourses, he already laid out in, uh, in, in seminar two and the seminar of the Perlian letter. But anyway, let, uh, we'll get to that later. The Derrida's critique of that though. I mean, he's it's, uh, in this essay, the name of which I'm forgetting, but it is collected in the Perlian Poe is that, um, all Lacan does in the, his seminar of the Perlian letter is he finds the frame 
And he says that's what psychoanalysis does, that it finds its its own frame. Right. And right. and that is something that he he that Lacan wants to, to to get out of. And there's this really great like before we get into the just, like just, uh, I'll just can I just tell the name Go of the ahead. essay? It's called yeah, the yeah. essay is called Le Facteur de la Verite, and it's the factor in French means factor, like right, mm-hmm. and, but it also means postman. So it's like yeah, Lacan, right, 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 so right, right. of course Derrida has to have a pun, but that's the that's the title, and it's it's also collected in uh, Derrida's work, the La Carte Postale or Postcard. So yeah, so you can find it there too. It's interesting. He does the, he does this performative thing at the end of that essay where it's impossible to know who's talking. Right. Where he quote he quotes Lacan, but then he's also I I, forget, I have this written out somewhere because it's like something I that I that I have to write on for later. But like he's you don't know who you don't know who he's quoting or where the end of the quote is. It's like the uh, it's almost like um in uh, somewhere in Absalom Absalom there's a there's a, a parenthetical that I'm not even sure ever gets closed. Or there's one that it, it takes like like it's like twenty pages and the parenthetical gets closed and it picks up the beginning of that sentence that it was a part of there's like that going on too so it's like right, so there, there, right. there's a lot of a lot of experimentation going on there but but anyway but that that's just the basic point if you haven't read it or uh, uh or you you've been lost in uh, derrida before is that like th- this is just his critique is that like psychoanalysis finds what it's set out to find that's right. his, that's that's the critique there and in lacan is like really consistent about this early on like i'm just going to read some uh give page numbers and give some like word choices he's I th- paying really, really close attention to this that uh, and he's trying to push back. So um, let's see where am I where are my nice my nice examples? Uh, he's adamant that what he's looking at is a fundamental structure. Um, we've got something uh, let's see here. We've got something on uh, page 19, for example, is that like uh, the relationship to jouissance is suddenly made to appear in a different light by the still virtual function called the function of desire. Moreover, this is why I'm describing what appears here as surplus jouissance and not forcing anything or committing any transgression. He's mm. also pretty clear about this. He said he he says this. He's really really clear here that um, psychoanalysis, the analytic practice, commits no transgression. He says that f- flat out. It's not th- that that the point is is not is not to to transgress. But that really, like something emerges again. This language, what appears here, is, uh, is something that I find like uh, really interesting. And he, you know, he says this um, about some of his formulas. The the first one he 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 lays out is the um, I believe the the master's discourse. Right. And he says, what is it? What does it say? It locates a moment. That's on the top of page fifteen. Um, and the uh, sorry, yeah, going backwards um, on thirteen. Uh, the fact is that in truth, discourse can clearly subsist without words. It subsists in certain fundamental relations, which would literally not be able to be maintained without language. A little bit later down, there are structures. We cannot describe them in any other way. For characterizing what can be extracted from this in the form of one particular usage of which I took the liberty of stressing last year, namely what happens by virtue of a fundamental relation, the one I define as a relation of one signifier to another, and there are those are just three examples. Uh, it's from that's just from the first uh, lecture, but he, he's stamping this out really, really early. He is not putting something in a place, mystifying, you know how how we get there, and then suddenly finding it. Like that's he wants to be really, really clear. He's not doing that. What he's identifying is a is uh, like a fundamental structure that it is out there, whether he's going to talk about it or not. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. I think that's vitally important. And I think so. So 
what's interesting is this structure, he, he sees it as always, even though it has four or five articulations, the underlying structure, he thinks, is always the same. And, and mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. it's interesting that he doesn't provide this himself, but Bruce Fink, in, in, in the, his book, The Lacanian Subject, he has a long section on the four discourses. I think it's actually one of the best parts of that book. It's really good. Mm-hmm. And he helpfully says the position on the top left of the discourse is the agent. So that's the, that's the figure that's driving the action that happens in the discourse, right? That's driving mm-hmm. the, act, the, the discursive activity. And then this, the position on the, on the top right, that there, there's an arrow going over to it, he says, is the other. So it's, it's what's affected by what the agent is working on, what the agent mm-hmm. is, is, is locating, what the agent is affecting, right? And then the, there's an arrow down on the bottom right to what Fink calls the product or the loss of that discourse. So in the case of the master's discourse, right, like what is it that drops out? The, like that's always the, it's the question, right? So the question mm-hmm. is like in the master's discourse, it's surplus enjoyment, surplus jouissance that drops out. And then on the bottom left side, Fink, again, this is Fink's point, that, and Lacan, this is one that Lacan identifies, that the truth of the discourse is in this bottom left-hand position, so this very mm-hmm. repressed position, right? The truth has is for him the repressed truth, and, and, and it's, in the case of the master's discourse, the, the truth that it produces is the barred subject. So, so for him, mastery is the agent, knowledge is what mastery works on, it's other, which then the product is surplus enjoyment, and then the truth of this discursive procedure is the barred subject, right? Like that's how, so that's using Fink's, I think, very helpful terms to explain what Lacan is, how Lacan is making that structure. So the, the underlying agent other product truth, that stays the same. And then mm-hmm. different figures get rotated around. But it's interesting that they're, until he develops the capitalist discourse, which is mm-hmm. later in, when he's talking at Milan, uh, the, the, there's always the same relation, right? Like the, 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 mm-hmm. that always it's S1, the master, prior to S2 knowledge. And then that's in front of Sur- little a object a surplus enjoyment, and then that's then that leads to the barred subject. So they're always in that particular order, which is interesting, right? Like why why should they stay in that order? And he says like you you the discourse changes when we move it a quarter turn each each right. way. Yes, yeah, you do a uh, you do a Cruyff turn on uh, on on each of these. That's yeah. a reference for. Uh, uh, Dutch uh, football fans and Adam Lalana enthusiasts. I'll explain that to you after. So the um, what and it's a little so just to get a little bit of like the things that's kind of confusing. What I what I, what we're gonna do is we're gonna lay out the f- the four discourses and we're gonna explain them and what's at work and then we're gonna uh, we're gonna lay into this guy. No, not <laughs> I mean, but, but but possibly. But um, he uh, Lacan starts in the, in that first um. Uh, lecture that I was quoting from and, and saying he's very careful in, he lays out three discourses, master, uh, master's uh, discourse, hysterics, and uh, analyst, and then he holds back right. the last one because he says it won't make sense, and it's the university. And so it sounds like in that first lecture, it goes master's uh, discourse, hysterics, analysts, 
and then university. But then in the second lecture, university comes first. Um, but that's not the first one that he talks about. It ends up being the last one. So we're going to probably talk about it from, cause it makes the most sense. I mean, it's the way that Lacan talks about it. I mean, the top of the, I know, I know these are Miller's, um, uh, names, but I mean, the master and the hysteric is the name of the second lecture. So we just, we're gonna start with the master's discourse. So, um, uh, again, this, this is like, um, whenever, whenever we're talking about formulas and, uh, and making it uh, radio, I think it's hard to hold in, into one's in head. Your head, but, yeah. yeah <laughs> but it's, um, but the, uh, as Todd just explained, so L- Lacan has four, uh, terms. He's got an S1 and S2. He's got, uh, an S with a line through it. And then he's got a small a. So these are the four terms and they're, they're moving, uh, like just a little, a quarter turn uh, in, in, in each, uh, we should also say what each term represents for him. Right. So, right. So well, S1, I, mean, in, I know it's well, a little bit, there's a little bit of waffling, but basically well, I think it helps if we just, it helps. To, yeah. We'll start with the, to with be this clear. We'll get, so we'll S1 get the is the master's, the master signifier. Yes. Or the master. He, he mm-hmm. sometimes will say master, uh, mm-hmm. S2 is knowledge. So S2 is interesting because S2 for him at other points is the missing binary signifier. So it's what doesn't exist. So it's yeah. because S2 as a binary signifier doesn't exist. So that's the, that's what's at the root of his statement that the woman doesn't exist, that there's no corresponding punctuation point that ends the sentence of significa- all signification. So, mm-hmm. so S2 doesn't exist, but because it doesn't exist as a binary signifier, it does exist as knowledge. So that's mm-hmm. his. So S two for in this entire discussion of the discourses, it's just knowledge. It's not this binary signifier. The object a small a is mm-hmm. surplus enjoyment, right? And then the S bard is is the bard subject, the, the yeah. desiring bard subject. Yeah, 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 and that's consistent across. All the every, all the formulas, everything. all the discourses. Yeah, yeah, yeah all the discourse. Well, I mean, and even. Other formulas, right? Other, even other yeah. formulas in his in his thinking. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the it's like so. That's like one thing. When we're going to get to this later, uh, that's one thing that you can bank on and and hold back to. But so, I mean, this is the thing I said to you before we started that like one one um, when you read a Lacan seminar, it's uh, are you making sense of the Lacan that's in front of you, or are you trying to make sense of him across everything that he's thought? And so we're going to try to do both. But here. but it's interesting that I think when most people talk about this seminar. Yeah, they do. They just try to make sense of the Lacan in front of them, right? Like yeah, it's, yeah, it's really it's interesting how analyses of the discursive structure, like Slavoj does it. I, I, I almost every person that we would call Lacanian at, at some point has made some gesture to the four disc or five discourses. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, it is. It is, and yet there's not usually an attempt to to reconcile that with the rest of the, of the, of the theoretical apparatus, you know, so it is interesting that it does, it kind of stands out when you do like Slavoj has some great analyses of, of like historical analyses where he says the master signifier dominates until the capitalist epoch. And then it's this split between university and hysterics discourse and then the analyst discourse is a response to that split. I mean, mm-hmm. that's pretty great, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think that is even kind of in Lacan, but it but it's not connected to another part of the like the theory of death drive for instance or super mm-hmm. e- like super ego doesn't 
figure in here at all, right? Um, yeah. Death Drive doesn't yeah. figure. So there's a lot that doesn't figure. Das Ding is totally absent. So there's a lot, Quilting Point, which we'll talk about. So there are all these things that are not here that, that in order to make the theory coherent, I think he excludes them. But also the people who are taking this up tend to take it up in isolation from the rest of the theoretical apparatus. It's true. You know, and it's interesting you mentioned Death Drive because Death Drive appears, but in a very specific way on page 16 where he talks about Freud. And what he says about Death Drive is that Death Drive was forced upon Freud. Right. And right. and it's and it's it's back to that thing where like Freud didn't come up with it. It was forced upon him when he had to think beyond the pleasure principle and what he understood uh, and what science uh, uh, tends to say about the body as a homeostatic organism, like and, 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 like he had to think uh, past that, and it was it was forced upon him like uh, logically, and so let's look at what's forced upon. Uh, this is what it was what how Lacan wants us to read him that these discourses are forced upon him. Forced upon him, right? So right. he starts, he, and we explain this a little bit, but he starts in the lectures he starts with the master's uh, discourse and right. this as you just said from Slavoj, like he thinks this is the dominant this is the, like the dominant paradigmatic discourse. right and, and 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 he really i think the debt here to kozhev's hegel because let's be clear it is absolutely kozhev's hegel not hegel himself right is 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 almost absolute right because his the notion that like lacan really makes a lot out of the fact that the master uses the savoir-faire, the knowledge of the slave, right, in order mm-hmm. to then produce surplus jouissance, right? Like, so that's the product. And and it's, and it's for, for him, I think that's really, imp- that, that's what's going on, that it's this appropriation. So the other here is really, I think what's being, like, knowledge is really being appropriated you yeah. almost there's almost like a, a theory of colonial relations in yeah. the idea of the master's discourse, right? Like that the that the the master is appropriating this knowledge that's generated by the slave's savoir faire, like know how, mm-hmm. because the slave works, and and then the pr- the product of that is surplus jouissance, but it also the truth of it is just a barred subject, right? Someone who doesn't get the product that they were trying they're, to create. Producing. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And also in that position is the truth of the master, which the master has no contact with. Right. Right. And they cannot can, avow. Can, right. Like, yes. I think that's an interesting thing that the barred subject, which is the truth of the master cannot be avowed that you mm-hmm. can't avow. If you're going to be a master, you can't avow you're a barred subject. Lacan also says, I think this is also pretty important that the bottom, you can read the bottom line. I think both, directions. And so Mm, mm -hmm. it's also, you can think, okay, there's this top relation between the master and knowledge, and there's this bottom relation between the barred subject and the objet A, or surplus enjoyment, and that, voila, is the formula of fantasy, right? Like, barred subject, lozenge, or diamond, relates to how the barred subject relates to the objet A is what Lacan thinks is fantasy. So... It's interesting that he says even mastery is blind to fantasy. So it's yeah. repressed 
that the, the structure of fantasy is what's repressed in the master's discourse. That's part of what he's getting at with that, laying out the structure of the one on top and the other on the bottom. The bottom is the repressed of the top. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's great, and it, and it um, to, to, to go back to his, uh, his purpose here, is that like, and to, to put the two tops, uh, or the, the top and the bottom of the formula, like, like together, is that like, isn't there also the, like, the sort of supplemental fantasy of, of mastery that it's put upon the master, that this is the natural order. And I'm yeah. just executing the, this like, you know, like divine intervention. This is like God has willed it. You know, I'm just, the, I'm just the vessel I, that I have to, I have to do this. And that's, and, and I, and I think, you know, uh, despite, uh, <laughs> despite Lacan, uh, avowing, um, I forget the page on this where he says he's not a man of the left. Like, I think that's a, it's a very, it's a, um, the, if you really understand the the master's discourse and like the critique that's that's being made here, like it is it is kind of a a, a biting critique of the dominant position of uh, of authority, that right? Just right. structures so so much in contemporary society, right? So in that sense, that that's fascinating because in that sense, this master's discourse isn't totally historical, right? Like it it continues mm-hmm. to. So I think that that's an important thing to think that 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 while there are these historical readings of the four discourses, I think there's also a reading that says these are all four operative at the same time, Mm -hmm, and you're mm -hmm. constantly going from one, like, you're in the classroom, you're slipping into, at times you're in the discourse of the master, but at times you're in university discourse, right? And then maybe you can, you can slip into the analyst discourse, if you if you're a really good, let's say if you're a really good teacher, although maybe that would be a terrible teacher. By the way, I had a I had a, a guy who was a, on my dissertation committee who mm-hmm. tried to teach. He didn't. He was Deleuzean, so he didn't know that he was doing it in this way. But he tried to teach in this in the form of the analyst discourse. That is, if you asked him a question, he would just respond with silence and never <laughs> okay. give you any. Like he was a, like he thought he was a Lacanian. Analyst, and he was the, simply the worst teacher I've ever had. So, <laughs> so I think like that. I, I do think that there's something about that analyst, but, but I do think there are times when mm-hmm. even teachers that are good adopt that position, right? Like you, you don't give the answer because you want to, you want to force the questioning of right. the of the subject. Yeah, I have. Um I don't know if I had to lay it out like a ba- baseball statistic. I'm not sure what I'm batting, but like there are times a, a student will ask me a question and I'm way more interested in their answer to it than what mine is. And right. I, and I'd rather, I'd rather like, um, and some, sometimes I've been able to, to say like, well, wh- what would you, well, what, what would you say? Right. And right. then they'll answer it and then I'll give my answer later, but they'll have said something more interesting. And then other times it's like, no, I don't know. That's why I'm asking. And I'm like, no, I understand that. But if you had to think about it, just like, what would you say? And there, I, I think uh, that in those moments, I've not properly helped uh, someone uh, move through university discourse to, uh, uh, to come out, to, to come out the other side. But um I think one of the points that you made that I want to pick up on these yeah. threads is that you have like it, they, these look uh, separate and um, segregated from each other that, and, and like, and he even uses the word, which would be, uh, which is, I think more uh, aligned with Foucault than it is Lacan. He uses the word uh, epistem uh, in this, uh, the seminar. Yeah. Um, it, that th- this may look like, you know, you, you know, these are, he's a, uh, like responding to different historical epochs or different like 
parts of uh, society, like obviously the university works in the, in, in the uni- according to the university discourse, but you know, other aspects of society are also fall under that purview. And then there's the masters and then there's, you know, and so on. But each of these chapters, at least he's talking about at least one other discourse at the same time. Right. So I, I, and I, and I, and I think, um, I think, uh, Rick Boothby would be, um, uh, pretty adamant that like this does begin what he's thinking. I mean, he talks about knots and the, uh, a lot in this about like the way signification works, yeah. um, which is also just something to, to get to a little bit because it, it sounds like in the beginning, that's what he means by S one, but then it becomes master signifier right. and it's right. not the knots of relationship. But anyway, I think Rick would probably say that this begins, you know, his thinking about the quadratic and how these things are, like they are um, inextricably like intertwined and you do have to think about their relation to each other right. um, and not look at them singularly, which is maybe borne out with the way he talks about it. Because th- like you would think this would be like that he would have a lecture on the university discourse, a lecture right. on the masters, you know, a lecture on the hysteric and a le- but he doesn't, that, that that's doesn't not do how, that. No, that's yeah, right. That's really good. I mean, it's great. And I think it's, it, it is, and, and what would confirm that is the fact that there are four discourses and four elements within the discourse, right? But then there's this <laughs> yeah, little yeah, problem sure. of the capitalist discourse yeah. that's kind of lurking outside the seminar. Yeah. Real, I mean, he does mention it in the seminar. Yes, but page 110. It, but, but, yeah, but it doesn't get—it certainly doesn't get a development in the seminar. It only gets developed no. in, the dis, in, in the Milan discussion. So it, 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 I, think, I think that that— is part of the problem, but I, I, I do think that there is something to the, like, just like you said, the quadratic and, and the way that he's, I think that there also are really good insights into yeah. like how in the university knowledge functions, right? And, and like what, what it is that you, knowledge, the drive for knowledge is trying to actually uncover. Well, I think what he gets at is it's trying to uncover this kernel of surplus enjoyment, which it mm-hmm. can never uncover. And as it's doing that, it's the repressed thing beneath it is mm-hmm. precisely this mastery producing the barred subject, right? So the mm-hmm. way in which the university seemingly neutral quest for knowledge underlo- has underlying it this structure of mastery, I think that's pretty... Good, and I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think so. I think there are within also within each discourse, there are these really nice insights that he comes to, and I think that's one of the reasons why people find these the discourses appealing. Yeah, definitely. Well, let do you want to move on to the hysterics? Sure, sure, sure. Okay. Now, um, this is one of the one of the things that that will um, uh, will help us uh, make our our shift eventually he refers to and Slavoj immortalizes this with the was that the title of his his, his, title of his first his first book, thesis right? in, in his France thesis. so and it was right. his first book in outside of Slovenia yeah okay yeah the most sublime hysteric the plus, the plus sublime des hysteriques yeah that's it. that is how um, Lacan refers to Hegel yeah uh, in this so let's talk about the uh, hysterics uh discourse. So this Well, let's just is, first of all say it's weird because Hegel gets accused <laughs> of being a master, the paragon of university discourse, and a hysteric. The only thing he doesn't get is to be the good guy. He's, he's never <laughs> the analyst. He never's yeah. the analyst. Yeah. So so yeah, yeah. you know. That, as a, no, as a, that happens. As a devotee of Hegel, you, you don't it's not fun to read this seminar, I have to say. 
<laughs> it can be a little maddening. Yeah. yeah. So that was the that that's that's something to put in the back of uh, listeners to put in the back of your mind for for the our our little not our turn against the combat, just our like we're trying to we're trying to work it through with other stuff that he's said and, and make certain things line up and then we see what sort of shakes out because my it's my it's my my position that um the the things he only does one time are the like it, it, it's I haven't totally thought that through exactly but I, but I I feel. I think I said this once in the podcast night and I, I, I feel almost convinced about this, that like the things he says one time are like the true ideas right. that he flees, that he flees from. And so we're trying to shake this out and see what, what, what there is like, um, I don't know, it vis-a-vis that formulation, but in the hysterics discourse, which is at first aligned with Hegel and then not aligned with Hegel because right. he's also a master and also he's the height of university discourse because he's hard to understand. Um, I mean, that's not the only reason, but anyway. So what we have at the top is the bard uh, subject. Right. And to, uh, that's at top left. And the uh, that's the agent. Right. So the, the hysteric. Um, and the other, in this case, is the master signifier. Right. Um, what is the product or what's lost is knowledge. And the truth is uh, object. Right. Of um, uh, the, the, the surplus... Uh, Um, So it's interesting how it's the reverse of university discourse, right? Like, so the thing at the top is exactly the opposite of it's so, so whereas it's actually, it's literally flipped. You're right. It's literally flipped. Yeah. 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 Yeah, So, so it's interesting. So that's why I think Slavoj says they're, they're like the, the two modes of how you respond to capitalism, right? Like, I think Mm -hmm. that makes a lot of sense. And it it is true that I think this is a good, also a good insight that the movement from surplus enjoyment to knowledge is the Mm -hmm. repressed of, this hysterics discourse. But I also think he really gets at something that the hysteric is the quest for a master, right? Like the, like just like university knowledge is a quest for this unattainable objet a surplus enjoyment. Mm -hmm. The, the, the hysteric is in quest of a master that never, it can never find. So that's why the other thing that Lacan says is that the top relation is impossible, right? Like there's no way. Yeah. So there's the top relation is impossible. The bottom relation, he says, is impotent, right? Like you can't, Mm -hmm, there's mm -hmm. no way, you can't, you can't fully get there because there's impotence in the way, but in the top, it's impossible. So, so the hysteric is looking for a master, but then never finds one, right? Like there's never an adequate one. Yeah. And let's be clear that just because, you know, we did um, the three podcasts on, um, on, uh, Joan's book, uh, read my desire and something that, you know, she's adamant about early it, uh, early on is that like, there's, there's no guarantee. And that's what she talks about with the, her theory of the, the gaze and, uh, in film, like there, that is at work in this hysterics discourse is that like, you, right. No, that's there, a great there, point, Ryan, that the fail, yeah. the absence of a, a master is the absence of a guarantee. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's yes. absolutely. That's right. exactly, that's exactly. Yeah. And, 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 that's how like you, you, you know, you can't, whether it be God or like, or, you know, whomever, like, or, or, or whatever, like there's no, there's no guarantee to the consistency of your being. I think I'm paraphrasing Joan oh, and talking about uh, film theory. Like that's, you just, you don't have it. And that puts one in the, in the position of the, of, of the hysteric. Right. Like, it's interesting. Like, I think we inherently think the analyst discourse is the most authentic, but there's a way to think that the, I mean, Lacan basically dismissed all politics as hysterical, which is interesting because mm-hmm. 
the appendix to seminar 17 includes this impromptu at Vincennes where he says to the students revolting, you want to, you want a master, you'll have one because he thinks right. they're hysterics. Although mm-hmm. to follow his own notion of the hysterics discourse, they won't have one because yeah. the master is always insufficient. So that's interesting right. too, I think. Well, you got to say something for 10 years from now. So I don't know if we can get into that at the moment. That's right. That's right. We'll hold off. <laughs> no, no, hold no, off. no, but the, <laughs> no, I, I, I agree. But I do think that, um, I do think that the, the, the hysterics discourse, the way that it, I think he thinks that the product of knowledge is what's gained through analysis of the hysteric, right? Like, I mm. think that that's, that's one thing that, so hysteria does have this benefit that it gives us a real authentic knowledge. Like, whereas the knowledge in the university, I think he thinks is, is, is always searching for something that it never finds. But the hysteric actually, pr- through analysis, produces a genuine knowledge. So I think that's, to me, I think, so I don't think knowledge is always the same here. Like, I think knowledge yeah. is different in the hysterics discourse. Like, that's the knowledge that the analyst br- come, helps the hysteric come to in analysis. Right. I think that, I think that has to be what knowledge I, I is. Think, yeah. Yeah. Well, especially just like the quor- the quarter turn to the the analyst discourse where it's the, um, it's, you know, object, uh, barred subject, and then going to the bottom right, uh, master signifier to, um, to knowledge, like knowledge being, again, to go back to the, um, think, uh, yeah, it's fixed formulation. This, it's the truth uh, of the, is, of the analyst discourse. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. So that's, so the, the truth, the truth of the hysterics discourse is the object, uh, which that, um, I mean, if, if again, Lacan, who's trying, as we said at the outset, trying very, very hard to make this, I don't want to use the word objective, but to make this as like, these are, these are structures that have nothing to do with him. Right. Um, he does like, doesn't he, he does say that he thought the object is like his one true is contribution. One thing that I have invented. Yes. Yes. So, but it means also here, I think you get confirmation that like he got this from analysis because if that's what the hysteric produces, that's something that, as an analyst, he came to understand. Right, right. So, and like you can you can see that in the in the formula. So again, like he like I I um I buy I, I do I do buy the um the like the well I I, I just think he exp- uh, I think he explained it better when he talked about the, the the series and how that forms against like the cut of the real but like i i do i do think that there that he's not just explaining this is not just like a psychobiographical but there that i think there is like a little bit of that here where his experience as an analyst showed him the emergence of the object and then that's what he positions at the, at the you know like the the analytic experience so you can you can see that in the way that he has these right. these formulas right. that if the, the if the truth of the hysterics discourse is the this uh, is the object that's what he learned as an analyst is the point right. that I'm trying to make right and then he learned to take up the position of the object. I mean that's yes he yes. learned that's that he, I yeah. think right I think he learned that effective analysis means that you don't, because he starts out with the notion that the analyst has to occupy the position of the big other, right? And then he abandons yeah. that mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. say, no, you have to go through a sequence, but ultimately you have to be the objet ah, and then that, then you get this, the, the silence of the Lacanian analyst, right? Like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
and because that produces the questioning of the barred subject and the, and thus leads to a hysterization, right? Like that mm-hmm, there's mm-hmm. a, so there's a way in which the analyst discourse and the hysterics discourse function together as well. And just, which goes along with what we were saying that, that all the discourses, they all have to be thought of in relation to each other. Right. Yeah, ex- exactly. And, and it's also like one of the, um, one of the, overarching points here is uh do you say arching i I say overarching i don't know you say probably wrong who cares well i don't know okay whatever um one of the unless you care people think you're an idiot but i i don't know no no no, it doesn't bother me that people think genuine question it was a genuine (laughs) you know i know i know i know i know i know i just continue to mispronounce things i don't doesn't maybe yeah yeah probably the so the he what he's trying to do uh here in the trajectory we'll go with that one uh is he's trying to remove himself as from from the position of mastery, and you right. can even you, you can see it in the formula of the of the analyst. Right, and right. it's it's interesting because and I and I want to make this like little to make our own little quarter turn to the university discourse is that I I think the um the position that he occupies as someone who's giving these these lectures, someone who's giving these seminars, is a like. I don't know, a liminal space between the, uh, the being an analyst and, and, and university discourse. And, and I, I think he wants clearly to be on the side of the analyst, uh, when he's giving these, these lectures, but it's like hard to, well, it's impossible. It's, it's impossible, impossible to, right? Like it's impossible. Yeah. So that, yeah. I think you're making a great point that the, that, okay, we can imagine within a psychoanalytic session, someone adopting the position of the objet a, but right. you can't give a lecture from the position of Yeah, like you, so just, you can't do it because <laughs> you're talking too much. Like you can't, yeah. you know, you're so so I think that's interesting. And I think you're right about him trying to sustain his trying to find a position for himself. So let's just talk quickly about the last discourse, the capitalist yeah. discourse, which doesn't Oh no, no, hold on, hold on. Oh, no, we're no, still, we're still I know, on the I know we okay. I sorry, I know you, yeah, yeah. We'll go into that one in a second. But yeah, so the the just top top left university discourse is yeah. S2, which is knowledge. Um, and that's the agent. And so then, I mean, we did talk about university discourse a little bit, but I just wanted to, yeah, yeah, sure. It's worth going. And then the, 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 the other of this discourse is the, is the object. Ah, and then the bard subject is the product. So this is what, what's produced the bard, the bard student, uh, uh, perhaps. And then, uh, the truth of it is S1. So it's serving mastery. I think that's, isn't that the key point of university discourse that on Mm -hmm. the one hand we have this seeking knowledge, which is really seeking the impossible mm-hmm. objet ah, that it can object. never find because you want the end of knowledge. This is why Lacan says, you know, this is, so for him, university knowledge is always about seeking and never finding, right? And this is yep. why he says, to quote Picasso, je, ne, je trouve, je ne cherche pas, right? Like, I find, I, don't, I do not seek. So, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that, that right. so, th- so for him, that's, that's why he's not, part of the university discourse because mm-hmm. he finds, he actually right. gets to the objet or mm-hmm. occupies that position. And then the key thing, I think, again, as I said, is that the under, the lower line is the side of mastery producing the barred subject. So that the university in this supposed neutral quest for knowledge is actually serving the project of mastery. Yes. Right. Which is why it's really interesting. Like as a, as I said about a half hour ago, um, he begins with, Ma- uh, the um, discourse of the master, and then when you see the formulas for the first time, 
its university uh, discourse comes first, moving left left to right. right. And it's on this quarter turn uh, where the truth of the university discourse being like it's serving toward mastery, that becomes the top left of the uh, the discourse of the master. Uh, and it's, it's interesting uh, to me that I, I don't know, like, like, do, do you, do you take that as, cause I, cause I just, I find it interesting. Like I get why he held it back in the first lecture yeah. because it, he, he had to, he had to suffuse the notion of like un, university discourse with like his own content. Yeah. Uh, and to just say that flat out, it, it would not have meant anything to, to, to anyone, but it would have been, it would have produced confusion. I'm completely mm-hmm. with him at, at that point, but it does seem uh, it does seem to give the university discourse priority, um, which I don't, which is not borne out in the way that he talks about these. I know, like, but I, 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 it's a great insight by you. And I think he sees the university discourse as the primary danger. Yeah. You know, okay. I think, and I think mm-hmm. what you said about his own discussions and where, where you would locate his own lectures, I think is vitally important. And I think he's yeah. loath to be included in university discourse. So I think for him, I don't, you know, I, I think that, that, that the problem is it serves mastery yeah. in a way that it's not aware of because that's repressed. And mm. he doesn't want to be part of that because he doesn't right. want to serve some master unknowingly, I think. And he, mm-hmm. and he really, I mean, he, he, he very carefully never takes up, he never becomes a professor anywhere, right? Like he, yeah. he, he thinks that, professors always know the answer because they never engage in any kind of genuine questioning. And I think that Mm -hmm. that's the, you know, that's what he's trying to avoid. So I think to me, that's what he's, that's what's going on there. Mm. No, that's really interesting. Yeah. It's um, like, you know, the, this whole, the whole, all of the, I mean, this is how he starts. And I think that it's the, it's the constant, um, it's the constant throughout the, the, these four discourses and what you're going to get to in the capitalist discourse. But I do think that these are positions relative to mastery or, or, or its idea. Right. And, right. and how, and how dominant that idea may be. Right. Um, and, yeah. Right. And so isn't it interesting that when he gets to the capitalist discourse, mm-hmm. for one thing, he doesn't, it no longer is a quarter turn. So right. The capitalist discourse looks initially, like the hysterics discourse. So the, the barge subject is in the top left agent position. Okay, I'm writing this down because I don't have the Milan. Uh, and the other sorry. is knowledge, not mastery. Interesting. And then the product is the objet a, surplus enjoyment, which mm-hmm. I guess you would expect, although maybe not. And then mastery is the truth of it. So, so capitalism... Like the university discourse, the capitalist discourse serves mastery ultimately. Okay. And so the the point is though that the 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 you can't rotate them in the same way. The, right. The no. terms get spread around differently, and then the capitalist discourse you can't then say, okay, now what we rotate everything in quarter turn. What? Do, no, you can't do that. No. So it it is a bit of a an outlier. It doesn't really fit within the system. So you can see why he didn't include it. And yet at the same time, you can imagine people going like, how can you not talk about capitalism? Right? Yeah. Right, right, right. Right. 
I think he needed, I, I think I just, you know, I think we started with the, the, um, like the most important thing is that like it's agent, other product truth. I mean, if he had that, he could have talked about the capitalist discourse in this one. Don't you think? Right. If he just laid that out and didn't get into this whole quarter turn thing, like, right. Yeah, like I think yeah, he could yeah, have, yeah, yeah. like, if he just said, look, this is the basic structure and then anything can be in those structure in those positions. Right. I think it's pretty clear that he, he didn't do that here because he wants it. Cause again, he wants it to seem like it's, he's addressing structure. It's put upon him. It's outside of him. And it's just like, and, and he's like saying it's like, it's the quarter turn and you can see it. Um, but then if he doesn't obey like his own rule, it's kind of more obvious that he's inventing something, yeah, right, I guess. Right, right. I think yeah. that's right. I think that the capitalist discourse really exposes him. And, and I'm also not sure how Avjay Ah isn't in the position of the other in the capitalist yeah. discourse. I mean, well, that doesn't, really, it see, yeah. doesn't that seem like the point that he made in the previous seminar, yeah. which is the yeah. production of surplus, uh, of surplus jouissance. Jouissance. Yeah. 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 So that, yeah. that to me, I've always been confused by that with the capitalist discourse. Um, I mean, the only, I think what the way he would explain it is he would say capitalism produces this mount, these mounds of waste. And so the product is that the A is this surplus that it produces. Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, that is the product, but it's also the thing. But the problem is that A should really be in both positions because A is also what drives the production and the consumption, right? Like that. Yeah. Like it's not, it's not just this byproduct. It's also the whole effort. Of, it's the work that capitalism does is all work on the A. On, well, and, on, and you also have to repress your knowledge of it to engage with it. Exactly. Like, exactly. You know. So there's no, so right. So, I mean, if any system has ever depended upon the disavowal of knowledge, it's the capitalist system. So mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. see how knowledge can be on the top line, right? Like knowledge should be yeah. below in the, on the repressed line. So, so I, I think there's all kinds of problems with this and he doesn't go back to it, right? Like he never, mm-hmm. he never spends Well, Todd, you know, time. it's really, it's, yeah. it's really funny because if, if, if he did what we're saying, then the capitalist discourse just looks like the hysterics discourse. That's right. That's right. And, and, and I think it would have, I actually think he could have made that, he could have made that point. He could have made that point to like, he could have made that work for him. He could have, right. Which is like, which is like, you know, the the capitalist system, like, um, like both. Except the the only thing I'm not sure about, though, is is the capitalist seeking a master? Like, I I think the hysteric is seeking a master. Right. No, but the the capitalist, the the capitalist is, I I think this is what he, this is what would be put upon him. I feel it's put upon me saying it right now. Okay. The, the, the capital, the, the point of the capitalist, uh, discourse, if it's, if we're from that position Mm -hmm. is to disavow one's mastery. Like one doesn't have it. Like, like, like it's like, again, it's a little bit like, don't you think like, don't you think if you, if you, you know, like Bezos would say that like, Oh, he's not doing anything. Like it's just a system that, that does it. Well, but like, then, then yeah, but that is his formula for the. Then, then I think you're supporting his formula, because because for him the barred subject is like the hysterics discourse is in the point of the agent, right? Mm-hmm. And then the the disavowed truth is S one in capitalism. It is mastery. 
You see what I'm saying? Well, so I think no, no, my, I, I do, I do what, and, I, and I'm, I'm sorry to do this again over radio. What I, what I'm, what I think is, um, what I think is at work is there's two different things. It's just like, are you on the side in with the capitalist discourse? And I think this is what, what, what kind of the problem is, is that like, okay. is it describing the capitalist or is it describing being under capitalism? Right, right. And I think those are two separate things, and that's why I think being under capitalism is the discourse of the hysteric. Right, and then right. You, that, yeah, that's that, that that that's my point. Well, it is, especially if you're seeking a master to tell you what to, what yeah. I should want. I mean, that's, that mm-hmm. is true. I mean, like yeah. every advertisement is really presenting itself as a master who will tell you what you should desire yeah. in this thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yo, mm-hmm. yeah. And so, and, and it's like, I love like every car commercial, I think like car commercials are really great. There's a, there's a really good, there's a really good Lowe's commercial making the rounds right now, which is uh that goes like this. There is no American dream, only American dreams, right? Like plural. Yeah. And it's like, go to Lowe's, build your own house or whatever you can. And like, you know, car commercials are like, you should enjoy life by this one car. Right. And, right. and like, like don't, don't be so encumbered by th- this one car is that you have to have it because it'll help you do that thing. So, um, yeah. So yeah, yeah, no, no, I, I think, I think that, uh, it, it needed, I think he needed, uh, I mean, we're in a good, good enough area because we're going to make this like sort of turn where we have like, I guess, I guess I'll put it generously. We have some questions about this. I think this is one of them, which is, yeah. um, like what is the, he goes, he talks about the capitalist discourse much later. It gets referenced here is, is what's being addressed in the capitalist discourse. Is it from, is it from, are we, are we to read it as the possessive, right? Like as it's the, it is the capitalists discourse. And are we, are we following the capitalist in it? Are we following ourselves in it? Uh, like as being beholden to it in the same way that it's the student that yeah. is in the university discourse or is it, or are we following it in a different way? You know, what's interesting. Like, French has no way to express that difference because it's the discourse do capitalism or do capitalist, right? Like it's, it's nice. There's no possessive. There's no, like the possessive in French is of, right? Like okay. it's not, there's no, so it is, that's just kind of interesting and funny. I think um, he does talk about ambiguity a lot in the summer, right? And which like, you're yeah, right. Yeah. Like yeah. I think you're right to point to that ambiguity. Like, is it the discourse of living under, or even the university? Like, is it yeah. the discourse of the professor, or is mm-hmm. the discourse of being in the university? Well, it's kind of both. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. a, I think that's a problem. I think that the the, the I, I I don't know. I think the whole four. <laughs> Okay, is a yep. huge problem. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, like yeah. why not five? Again, he himself brought up the fifth. So why not yeah. five? Why not six? Why not seven? So that he does I, say he does say discourse of of jouissance. Of jouissance. At one point, so there's a six. Which it seems like maybe, a, or or is that the meta discourse? Or is what? Or is this what he's talking about? Is these are the discourses of jouissance? Like you know, right? Like, I don't. Who yeah, knows? Yeah. Like I. So th- that I think is a humongous problem. I I basically think that this is a is a rabbit hole that we shouldn't go down. <laughs> like I really, <laughs> you I, very much disagree with Rick on this. I do. He definitely I think thinks, it, he I thinks do. that this, he thinks like this is the third. Let me see. What is it? I have a, I have a note here. I have a, I have a good note someplace. Uh, I think if, uh, if I can, my, my desk is the, uh, is the desk of a crazy. Okay. Person. You channel Rick I, Boothby I, and I'll just go on with my little diatribe. Uh, yeah. <laughs> because I, I think that, that, so I have a problem with the number of the discourses, which Lacan himself has a problem with. I mm-hmm. don't, 
understand why certain key terms drop out and have no place within the discursive structure, like mm-hmm. dusting, like uh, right. superego, like ideal ego, like ego ideal, like quilting mm-hmm. point. So there's all kinds of things that I think are not present in the in this analysis. I think that the the other thing I really think is that he absolutely doesn't want to be considered a master and wants to yeah. retain the position of mastery, and that's what the analyst discourse allows. Now, of course, I think an analyst acts differently than someone who I'm talking to on the street, right? But I don't mm-hmm. think that that necessarily means there's some other discourse operative in analysis or even in the university. Like, I think there's still, there's, there's to, to my way of thinking, there's, and I think this is borne out by what Lacan says earlier, Mm-hmm. There's one signifying structure, and that's it. And so, yeah, the the coming up with these, I think that I think he, as I said he, earlier, he's responding to certain exigencies and also his own desire not to be thought of as a master, and and yet to retain mastery. Okay, so now yeah. you're going to show how Rick totally shows that I'm wrong. Well, I think that, that Rick, I was trying to find this note. I have someplace, but it's impossible. I'll find it tomorrow, I'm sure. Um, and just just that, like, what Lacan's thought moves through is this, you know, uh, is the thinking through of the symbolic, which is what you just said. Yeah. Like, so this, so, so the first, up until seven, um, because seven is this, like, is it... Is it hapax or is it, does it explain everything? I know it's yeah. hapax for you. So the um, for Rick, it is the it is the absolute key. Yeah. So it explains everything, yeah. right? Yeah. So he, but it's like clear, like he's working through the symbolic, especially for the first three seminars. But I think you can say for the first six, yeah, he's working through the the symbolic. Then there's, uh, you know, then there's the break of of seven, and then he starts to become, I think. Um, to not leave out like, like eight, nine and, and, and 10, like, is this like in moving away from Das Ding? Like he starts, he discovers object ah, and then he becomes more the Lacan of the real, which I think is like how most people think of right. Lacan is right. Lacan of the real and Lacan of object ah. Right. And then the, uh, 17 here. And I know I'm skipping a bunch of seminars, um, many of which are not available in translations. So almost all of them are not available. Almost all of them. Yeah. So, so I have no, uh, I have no claim on, 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 on what, Lacan is there, but this is, this is a break. And I think it's because as you just said, and we kind of laid out earlier, like he's trying to solve this problem of him being in the position of mastery, but also he does kind of like being the master because of the, I I think this is the point that you're making, but I think what Rick would say, again, if we're going to go with this logic of moving from uh, the Lacan of the triadic of the three orders, mm-hmm. um, or in the, and you might even say more specifically in the first six seminars, he's really of the dyadic between symbolic and imaginary, which is not to say the real doesn't play a part, but it's not theorized completely fully yet. Like we okay. talked about this with seminars one and two, yeah. that the real become is like kind of reality and he doesn't quite, he doesn't quite get there yet. So if okay. that's the dyadic okay. then he moves to being the Lacan of the triadic of the, like genuinely embracing the three orders, right. specifically the order of the real, right. especially around seminar 11. Right. And then this is this movement toward seeing their, um, uh, that maybe they're more dynamic interconnectivity. You might say right, and then um, then, then the Bromian knot, right? and the Bromian like, knot, right, and right. that's that's what gets to the Santom in twenty three. Right. Yes, right. so that yeah. so 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 if if you look at it like that, it's a little bit 
So this is like kind of spaced out. This is looking at, um, there's John Durham Peters has this really nice line, uh, about, um, Marshall McLuhan in a book. I'm forgetting the name of right now. Uh, the marvelous clouds is the name of the book. And he says one reads McLuhan for sparks, not okay. for like, like sentence level clarity, right. uh, basically. So if we're looking at Lacan for sparks and we're like, and we're and we're kind of zoomed out a little bit. You have this tri- you have this trajectory of a thinker moving from the dyadic to the triadic to the quadratic, and specifically, not that oh, is he going to move to the pentatonic or whatever? Like that's not that or whatever. Like that's not what's going to happen. Just it's more he's leaving kind of like a, a binaristic and and uh, a, a bulwark type way of thought behind to move towards something that again shows its dynamic interconnectivity. I think. I mean, forgive me if you don't think that would channel that that has channeled Rick, but do you think that's what Rick might say? No, I think that's right. I mean, yeah. although it's interesting because he thinks Seminar 7 is the great breakthrough. And right. so I don't, it's interesting because I'm not sure for him how much he's invested in the later seminars. But I do mm. think you're, I mean, I, I think that is, a, I think a lot of people would say that, what you just said, and would would yeah. defend the move of these seminars as this move to seeing the quadrat, like Lacan himself will say, I have to teach my students to count to four. And that's really the hardest thing because they usually stop at three. So mm-hmm. what he's, mm-hmm. what he's saying is of course that, that there's imaginary symbolic real, and then objet a or Bromian not that ties everything together. Right? Like that's mm-hmm. the, mm-hmm. so I don't necessarily. So have, if you think about it that way, then mm-hmm. that's the, like, then, then it's, putting it's taking it's developing object and taking the real seriously that yeah. ca- causes him to go to four. Yeah. Except, know? okay. Except I don't. Okay. So, so what's interesting is in the seminar, RSE, RSI mm-hmm. in, in English, um, he, mm-hmm. he doesn't, it's really like RS and I are just, they're just variables. They're not standing mm-hmm. in anymore for real, imaginary, and symbolic. And I, because I don't think it's possible, this is why I don't accept this move to the quadratic, because sure. I don't think it's possible to think of imaginary as an equal player mm-hmm. in the symbolic real relation, right? Like, I, mm-hmm. I don't think it is. I mean, I think it's like imaginary covers over the real. So it does have this relation to it but it doesn't it's not like it's not like there are these three lines that then get knotted together and hold together like i just don't think mm-hmm. that like i think there's a basic there are contradictions within the symbolic where the real emerges and then the imaginary comes as a in response to that so i'm not sure that i i just don't think that he can get imaginary as a equal player and then i also am not sure you can count if even if you accept that, I'm not sure that you can count objet a as a separate thing when all it is is really the knotting together of the other three. So I, okay. I don't know. I yeah. just have a I, I, I have a deep suspicion of the of the of the discourses. Not for one, it hi, I think it hides mastery. And the second thing is I just think mm. it hides that there is one signifying structure and that it's just that's what's always at work. And then it gets changed in the ter- different ways that it's quilted. And I think it's interesting that he never talks about a quilting point or retroactivity, noctreglikite, that, that has no place in these different discursive structures. So uh, how does that make any sense? So I don't know. So yeah. that's my long diatribe. No, 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 no. It may, I mean, that's 
like the the despite how I may have sounded uh, a few minutes ago, that that is more proximate to my position, which is I think what he's, I think he already figured this out, and it's I mean, and this is like, um, of course, it's just like close to my my own uh, resource. Uh, that's funny research, uh, which is that. It, like I think he figured this out in the Portland to the uh, uh, the Portland letter seminar. Like he, where like the way that I read that is that like he he shows that like the structure emerges from the real, right. and so like right. in and and where I think uh, he is a structuralist of the real uh, is is was like a way that I that I like to think about him, and that he he's looking at these chance relations through coin flips, and he's seeing that an order emerges that didn't pre exist. And, and that like, you can, you can see this and that's not even, and, and, and the, the, the order like that appears, uh, is an, uh, is an effect of, of, of language, not determined by it. Right. Uh, I mean, isn't that the huge problem here that, that yeah. it's not like, isn't what's great about Hegel. And so it's important. I think that Hegel is the, is the bad guy here because yeah, he's the villain here. Yeah. Because isn't what's great about him is that he shows how every all of these structures that he's talking about dialectically emerge out of each other they don't like he never yeah. at no point in the phenomenology to say well this is just how it is <laughs> like he doesn't yeah. like this is the structure he doesn't say that he's like he's yeah. like logically deriving it from the way the the structure of even what people are just saying, right? Like if they say, mm-hmm. like the sense certainty section of the phenomenology, people say here, this, now, right? They use those words. And so he just takes that as the starting point and says, okay, th- this is what they think they mean. Mm-hmm. And this is what they really mean. And and that, that that's, that's all structurally derived. So I think like he really abandons that, what you just talked about, like mm-hmm. looking at the serial structure of the, of the, of, of the real in relation to symbolic and just kind of imposes a, a, these four different or five different structures on symbolic relations. Yeah. And I think quilting point is the most important term that has dropped out because right. he, he, and this is the thing that I'm uh, sort of keen on is that in uh, on page 87 of this. So this is like, like a middle lecture in the, in the series. Um, Lacan explains the position. He starts with the, um, with the, uh, like explaining in words, these positions. And so S one, he says is master signifier S two is knowledge. And, uh, then, uh, jouissance is the, uh, is the a, and then, uh, the subject is the, the bard, the bard subject. And most of that is fine, except the, if you read the first, the first like four, Lectures, he's, here we go, here's here's him talking about S1, this is on, on page 13. Uh, there are structures, we cannot uh, describe them in any other way, for characterizing what can be extracted from this in the form of one particular usage, of which I took the liberty of stressing last year, namely what happens by virtue of a fundamental relation, the one I define as a relation of one signifier to another. And from this, there results the emergence of what we call the subject, via the signifier which, as it happens here, functions as representing the subject with respect to another signifier. How is this fundamental form to be situated? Without any further ado, we are, if you will, going to write this form in a new way this year. Last year, I wrote it as the exteriority of the signifier S1. And then he's going to talk about S1, and he says, I'm just going to skip a little bit. Uh, 
discourse thought of as the uh, status of the statement, S1 is the one to be seen as intervening. It intervenes in a signifying battery uh, that we have no right ever to take as dispersed as not already forming a network of what is called knowledge. Knowledge initially arises at a moment at which S1 comes to represent something through its intervention in the field defined at the point we have come to as an already structured field of knowledge. Why have I been reading so much? Todd, does he, is any of that master signifier? No, 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 you're right. Like S1 has a slippery signification in this, in this discussion, I think. Yeah, so I think that he begins, it's really funny, like, he begins these, uh, you know, uh, S1 having, uh, this is page 19, S1 having emerged at the first moment is repeated with respect to S2, and he's talking about Freud and repetition, um, and, and it seems like, it seems like what he's saying is that S1 acquires uh, a, st- a stability through repetition, which is not master signifier. Right. I think either. it's, I think, I think he flirts with S1 being unary trait mm-hmm. here, I think, you know, mm-hmm. because that's what he's describing. This, like, this, 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 this one trait of the subject, right, that comes to define it, the unary trait. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think you're right linking that. And, and, and then that just, it just becomes master signifier later. It just yeah. weirdly, right? So that's, yeah, I don't, yeah, I, so, I, I don't. Since, yeah, good. No, no, there's there are just all kinds of. I mean, then then bear repeating necessarily, but like, I mean, he's he's clear. Like he makes he makes S one be master signifier later, but it, the way this begins is S one is the way that he thinks about signification as such, which is the signifier representing the subject with respect to another signifier, as he says earlier in these, and that again these the signifier um, acquires a stability through. Uh, repetition and a quilting point and retroactivity. But he doesn't say and that like, here. No, he doesn't say that. No here. mention. But that's what he. But that's what he says for most of his life. <laughs> is 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 something like where where quilting point maybe drops out, but retroactivity is still is still there. It's still there, right? Right. Yeah. Like he yeah. he probably makes the most of anyone about Freud's that part from the project for a scientific psychoanalysis or scientific psychology. <laughs> that's pretty good. This is a good slip. <laughs> yeah. Um, where where the the you know, the causality is reversed in Freud. So that, I think that he, he makes more of that than anybody. And yet here it doesn't have any, there's no sense of retroactivity in, in the terms of how a discourse functions where, and, and I, I would think that, especially in the university discourse, that mm-hmm. retroactivity would, would, would have to have a, a really central role, right? Like if you're going to have this separate discourse of the university, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I just, I, 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 I want to say one other thing. I, I'm not sure that, yeah. and I think this may be what is what one thing that threw him off that I think that, mm-hmm. that I'm not sure that capitalism has a, I don't think, I shouldn't say I'm not sure. I don't think, I don't mm-hmm. think capitalism has a struck separate discursive structure. I think there is this one discursive structure and I think mm-hmm. capitalism takes up a different relationship to it than prior socioeconomic systems. And so thus it, it, it causes the subject to be distorted in a certain way that's different from earlier, but the subject Mm. is still dealing with the basic structure of signification. That's, that's the same. I don't think capitalism changes that. And so I think that that to me, he doesn't, he's like too much is in the pot 
in this, mm. in this, like, and I also don't think the university changes that. Like, I still think you still have mm-hmm. this structure of signification at work, whether you're in analysis in the university or whether you're in capitalist exchange, you know, and I don't think, I don't understand really, I genuinely don't understand why he thinks he has to invent these four differences unless, this is the most uncharitable thing I can come up with, unless it's a way <laughs> to defend his own mastery without having to be a master and to defend a certain kind of way of being in the world that, that, mm-hmm. that you know, like his, his very, like we've talked about before how he interprets the ethics of psychoanalysis as the right for him to, to fart with impunity, right, in public, right, right, right. Um, which is abhorrent. And, and, and I think, like, in a way, isn't the analyst discourse just another way to allow – and I'm sorry, this is very uncharitable – but to allow him to be as prickish as possible, it, both mm-hmm. in his seminar and in his daily life, because he can say, I'm adopting the position of the analyst. And I think, you know, I think there are probably university teachers that think I'm adopting – they don't maybe say yeah. this themselves, but I'm adopting yeah. this position to force – the others, the students into, you know, whatever, some kind of hysterical quest that they'll gain something from. But I just am totally against that kind of crap. Yeah. Like that you, I'm just the vessel for this thing that I'm yeah. doing that is, that yeah. is, uh, that is prickish and, and terrible. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I, I, I guess that he's just, I, I just, let me just say the long, the short, go I think he's just a detestable <laughs> guy. Like I, I just, <laughs> I just, unlike Freud and Hegel, who I have such fondness for, I just have, I'm, I really think Lacan is a great, great thinker, obviously. But I just, I mm-hmm. find him personally just risable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's, um, that's a nice place. That's a nice place to quilt it. But I did want to, I did want to say, like, just to, like, I don't think that's a good place to call it. You don't think it's a no because it makes. You think it, it, make, like, it makes it too too propitious? Yeah, you're it just that. makes it seem like it makes it just all about my own hostility or whatever. But anyway, go ahead. Well, that's fine. Well, yeah, that's um. So I just I was just gonna say that um, I, we've mentioned this on our podcast like uh before, and and that's why we're we've done this episode is like to kind of play this out that like I I think what and and. Your 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 feelings on this, I, I think, support the the support the point, which is that no matter how you slice it, whether like whether Lacan is is doing something selfish or he is trying to do something that is outside of himself, like it, the problem of mastery is at the root of this. Yeah, and and how he how one situates oneself relative to mastery is what's at work. It's at work in all these different discourses. It it need not have the number. Four, I, I think, because again, he does add a fifth, of, of course, and then he talks about like the, the discourse of the jouissance, of, of jouissance, and it seems like this, like that. This is like maybe potentially the story that's being yep. told, and all these different mm-hmm. things. But, um, just the it's it's a it's a problem that for me he solved earlier, but it, it is a it's a at the I don't know at the because I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to be the uh, the you know the great, great line in Spinal Tap where. Um, he, uh, um, Harry Shearer's character is talking about how um, the the two the two leads in, in the band are like fire and ice, and he sees himself more as lukewarm water. <laughs> so I'm trying to be the lukewarm yeah, water between yeah. you and you and Lacan here on this one. Is that like at the absolute very least, I think he does justify that um, mastery is is a is is a structure that is outside of it's it's not just the sole provenance of, of psychoanalysis, but it is 
a, I think, a primary, like, psychical structure that we all take up a position relative to. Right, right. And that, I think, Well, I have is, no problem with that. I think that's absolutely true. Yeah. Yeah. I think and I think that's the I think that's what he like I mean he doesn't say it like that but I think that's the that's the point of this. Right. And I think maybe t- just to your point to bring it into that is that it's maybe like his own uh well I don't know just the the the, the per- perverse way that he performs sometimes that like prevents him from like like he 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 sees himself he puts himself too much in this where like for the for the idea it needed less of him. That's really good. Yeah, that's a good. You quilted it better than I did. That's good. <laughs> so, what's the lesson, Ryan? I don't know. I don't know. What's the lesson? Um, I think the lesson is to uh, don't you think the um, uh, Dead Poet Society is the. Lesson? I think that's a great lesson. Yeah, watch Dead Poet Society with a very critical eye. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Over and out, Ryan. Over and out, Todd. <laughs>